Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good? You can get your worship guides out, and if you want, you can follow us on Uversion. And you can just put in our zip code or our church name, and you can get the worship guide inside of that as well, for those of you who have a, a data phone of some sort. And you can turn, for those of you who have Bibles, all the old school folks, we can turn to our Bibles. We're going to be in Exodus 3 and Exodus chapter 4 today in just a second. I want to... Um, one thing I just wanted to say, uh, Vanessa was literally speaking the same things that I was almost going to interrupt about, um, and I just want to compliment um, what she was saying. I, I, I believe that th there's some people here that maybe came in today, or maybe somebody you know that you're supposed to speak to just that could be struggling with themselves, their, their uh, self-worth, their, their feelings of, of uh, despair, and I just wanted to say I witnessed to that. I also wanted to say... Um, that sometimes, the, you know, the, we'll talk a little bit about how the enemy lies to us at some point during the service. But, you know, a lot of times we're having conversations in our head, all, you know, all by ourselves. I have a friend, he's a Cajun, he's from um, Louisiana. He says, you know, the, the, the worst thing is to be all by yourself down at the bayou. <laughs> all by yourself. You get in that, turn your neighbor and say, that's funny, I don't care what he says. <laughs> you don't want to be all by yourself. So when you're talking all by yourself, you tend to lose those arguments. You lose those conversations, you know, and because the enemy twists and, and, and he uh, distorts reality and tries to get you to believe things that aren't true. And, um, and, and, it, and a lot of times what happens is you can do some stuff wrong. You can make a mistake. How many make mistakes once in a while out there? Come on, two hands. Yeah, uh, that's a touchdown right there. Uh, we make mistakes and uh, we all stumble in many ways, the Bible says, you know, he is without sin, let him cast the first stone. There, there, we all fall, and, and the, good, the good news is that we have somebody who took the fall for us if we allow him to, or we can continue to try to punish ourselves and, and, and live in this kind of punitive religion. And, and so the enemy tries to make you miss some truths here. See, Jesus came uh, with truth and grace. They, they, they coexist. So in order to experience grace, um, you have to embrace truth. Okay, so truth, the prickly, pointy truth. Truth's like a sword, right? If you got pointed, point your neighbor, you know? Don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. Truth is like a pointy sword, you know? It can save lives or it can hurt people really bad. It can bludgeon people. It's gonna be a, it can be a surgical instrument that... That saves somebody's lives or it can be something that actually kills and murders them. But, so that's why you need grace with truth. And, but sometimes when you're just talking by yourself, all by yourself, then all you're sometimes, when you do something wrong, you have the truth hidden in you, but you need grace too. And so the enemy tries to just turn the volume down on grace, and he tries to get you to see other people in, in the wrong way. And so maybe you did something wrong, you made a mistake, and you got corrected. So the enemy tried to tell you God doesn't love you anymore. But the Bible says that the Lord chastens those that he loves. And if he didn't, you, you would be, you'd, you'd feel like, ultimately, you'd feel like you're an illegitimate child. Is anybody getting something out of this? This is just for free. I'm just, I don't know. This is just the starter. No offering necessary. You know what I'm saying? So what happens is we start embracing, you know, the fact that we did something wrong. We come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then the enemy comes in right after that and tries to distort the effects of that truth. Instead of letting it work inside you, uh, we then start to twist stuff in our brain and think, well, those people don't love me more. Oh, God doesn't love me. No, he definitely loves you. That's why he's disciplining you. That's why he's correcting you. 
And so I, I just want that to sink in somebody's head this morning that if you're going to get grace, you have to embrace truth. You can't just have grace and not have truth. Let, let me apply it to a big subject so you guys get it, and then I'll move on. Salvation. Nobody gets saved until they realize that they're a sinner. Nobody gets rescued until they realize or admit they're drowning. They're drowning. So you cannot be rescued until you're saying, help, I can't make it by myself. So you cannot get grace until you embrace truth. Amen? All right. I don't know who that was for, but somebody's going to email me later. I know. Uh, I want to quickly also say next Sunday. Everybody say next Sunday. 922. 922 is a big Sunday at Connect. Uh, starting a new chapter in our church. I'm going to be uh, just kind of revealing some new vision for the church. Kind of got a big announcement for you guys. And so I really encourage you to be in church next Sunday. Say, I'll be in church next Sunday, Pastor. And I'm going to drag every person I know into church, okay? So let's bring them all back. Actually, today is National Back to Church Sunday, which I didn't know that was a national event till last year. But anyway, I like that holiday. It's kind of a good one. Uh, but next Sunday for us is, is a big Sunday. I, I kind of look at it like a census Sunday. I want to see who's in the church, you know, get everybody back and uh, get into the family. And we got some important stuff to talk about and share with you. Amen? Amen. All right, you guys ready to go? Listen, um, I was thinking in this particular series, we're, we're, we're doing a series called God of the Underdogs. And uh, thousands of uh, people are participating in the series all over the country. I think there's 40 different uh, countries that are, 40 different countries, 40 different states that are participating in this. And so a friend of mine, Matt Keller, wrote this book, God of the Underdogs. And uh, if God, if, if, if every, if all, when all the odds are against you, God is for you is, is kind of the motto of this book. And so we decided to jump in and support this and get, kind of get behind this because I think all of us at some point in time, we feel uh, like an underdog. And last week we kind of talked about some of the, some of the underdog um, attitudes, some of the underdog spirits that kind of get in the way, and some of the things that keep the church as a whole from fulfilling its vision, having compassion for that which is lost, broken, and hurting in our world. And we, we talked about some excuses that we need to overcome as a church. How many were here last week? Raise your hand good and high. Were you here last week? Amen. Did God speak to us last week? Did you feel challenged last week? Just two people feel challenged. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys were challenged, you know, and just to get through some of those I don't, you know, I don't believes and I don't cares and I'm too busy and all those things that kind of get in our way because God wants to do a work in our church in and through us. But, you know, when I was um, kind of preparing for the message today, I, I, was, I was thinking, you know, God didn't want us to just read the word and, and stories in the Bible and just say, you know, unconsciously or consciously, you know, wow. Um, that's really cool uh, what happened back then. You know, I, I remember reading as a, you know, a 19-year-old, different uh, the book of Acts. I, went, I did a study in the book of Acts when I was 19. Hard to believe, but it's true. There was different phases when I was, you know, serious for God. And I remember reading the book of Acts and just thinking how cool it was in the early church. You know, it, I, you know I want that to happen today. How cool that that happened back then. And I don't believe that we serve a, a, a dispensationalist God or a cessationist God where all that stuff is over and done, but it's supposed to be for the here and now. Amen? And so the Bible tells us that His glory fills the earth and that He's the God who is with us. We sing, we, we sing and talk about that sometimes at Christmas, you know, Emmanuel, but it's for all seasons and all times. And the, the Bible says that He came, God came in, in, incarnate and in, in, in became a flesh and dwelt among men, and he's among us. And Hebrews 13.8 says he's the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. And so the things that we sometimes look at and think, that's in the past, and that was great, but that was then, but th- this is now. No, this is now was supposed to be like that was then. All right? That's tweetable. I, I, thought, I thought that was kind of cool how that came out. A lot of people, in other words, need, desperately need an encounter with God. Do you know, people are going to church on a regular basis. Uh, actually, church uh, attendance is on the increase, in, even in America today, and uh, in some denominations or a non-denominational environment specifically is the fastest growing denomination, even though it's a non-denomination. Uh, <laughs> don't get me going. Anyway, uh, but, um, but people that are going to church, there's like 30 to 40% of those people are not encountering God. They're just going to church. And, and I don't know about you, but I've been one of those people at times that, that's gone. Even, and I'm going to be honest with you, even as a pastor sometimes. And I can go and I can sit, I can, I can reflect on a, on a worship experience on a Monday and think, you know, um, I, I, that shouldn't be like that. We need to encounter God. But, but God, I think, looks at me and he looks at you and he says, there's some things in you and in us that, invite God into our situation. There's a responsibility on us as seekers of God. And so most never kind of get up and close and personal with God. And, and I feel like part of my responsibility, part of my job description is, is, to, is to lead you there, but I can't take you all the way there. I, I, we, we create opportunities and, and, and environments for this to happen. Big church, we, you know, with worship. And you, you, many of you encountered and experienced the presence of God. Many of you didn't, maybe. In, 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 in uh, the time when the word is being shared, some of you will have a, a kind of a cognitive, uh, mental, intellectual ascent of sorts. And some of you will have uh, revelation knowledge, not just head knowledge. Some of you will get a rhema word that's from God, that's, that's living and ins- inspirational. And some of you will just go, that's nice. He just read the Bible. But there's something in you and me that has a responsibility to alter the outcomes. Are you tracking with me this morning? And it's the same way in in not just big church, but little church and small groups. Some people go to group, and it's a discipline, and it's a routine, and it's it's for fun, maybe. You know, we, we have this principle in small groups, relationship plus intentionality equals discipleship. It's not just hanging out. It's, it's hanging out with, with a purpose and with a focus and with a similar mindset uh, that equals growth and discipleship. So there's a responsibility on us. And so I believe deep down people want to connect with God, but there are things that, that get in the way. And, um, and I think there's been, for most of us, an experience in our past where we have encountered God. I think most people in this room uh, would say, if, if interviewed or questioned, can you remember a time when you experienced, you encountered, you encountered God. And, and some of you might have, in that moment, you knew it was him, and then later you thought, hmm, maybe that was a bad taco. You know, or I had too much pizza, or I stayed up too late. You know, because things come in there and try to twist it and steal and rob and kill and take away those authentic moments. But in the moment, you sense, you sense something. Is anybody out there with me? I remember a visitor saying to me after a prayer meeting one time, this was uh, not too long ago, and I was at the uh, back door, and a person went by, and, and, and he kind of looked at me, and he's like, what was that? You know, like, it, it looked like he had just saw a ghost, you know, and, and Casper, 
but it was a friendly ghost. Uh, and, and he was just kind of overwhelmed with, you know, the, the authenticity of the environment and, and the experience was so, was so potent, so concentrated. The presence of God wasn't just omni, it was manifested on, a, on location and he knew it and other people knew it and, and he just kind of had to just articulate it with, what was that, you know? And, and he, it was awesome. And I remember meeting stories in the Bible about this, about the glory filling the temple of God and where priests couldn't even stand up. And, and the glory in the Hebrew is, is the word kabod. Um, sometimes uh, people uh, used to refer to churches where the glory has lifted. They'd, they'd, they'd call it ichabod, the glory of the Lord has lifted. But kabod is the glory of God. It's the, 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 the God on location. The, the, the Old Testament, the, the, the God on location was the, the Ark of the Covenant. You know, anybody know the Ark of the Covenant? Come on, you guys watch Raiders of the Lost Ark at least. If you don't know it from the Bible, at least Indiana Jones taught you. Uh, I mean, we get taught different ways. Um, and so, so it, 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 that, that manifest presence of God is still a reality today. The, the, the Holy Spirit wants to manifest His presence in our life, and, but, but it has a weight to it, and we have to be strong enough and ready enough to receive it to be able to encounter it. I remember a guy, he drove by, and let me say this. I don't believe that, that, that the Christian argument um, is any better, in some respects, than any other religion's argument. The thing, hear this all the way through. I, 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 believe, I believe in apologetics. I believe in being able to have... Um, you know, a right answer. You know, we should be able to give an answer to the hope that's within us, the Bible says. We should be able to watch our life and doctrine closely, Titus tells us. We, we need to be able to have a timely word and an apt reply. I believe you need to know what you believe, and I believe beliefs are important. But the thing that separates us from the other major religions of the world is we serve a living God, a God who wants to show himself, who wants to manifest himself and demonstrate himself in our lives. But many are not experiencing that. Even though they believe that here, they're not experiencing that here. Is anybody out there? This is, this is better preaching than I'm getting. The front row is doing a good job. I just want to mention that. <laughs> there was this guy, he drove by. This is many years ago. I've told this story before. He used to drive by this church you know, back and forth, back and forth. And you know, the, you guys all know the external uh, aspects, of, aesthetics of our church don't really say church all over it. And so I'd love to change that. So uh, if anybody wants to drop a million dollars in the offering today, I'll, I'll make the changes. Uh, but, but he was driving back and forth. And in spite of the fact that the aesthetics were just not, you know, necessarily saying what a traditional church would say. There was something just drawing him and, 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 and just pulling him in. And, and, and he was an atheist. He was an atheist, and he couldn't describe what it was. And so eventually he called, and he scheduled an appointment with my, my former assistant. Uh, he scheduled an appointment. And he said, I'd just like to meet with the pastor. I've got some questions. And he kind of sounded a little argumentative, a little, you know, uh, jumpy. And so I can remember my assistant telling me about this. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'll meet with him. I, I love these kind of situations. Sure. You know, let's, let, let, let it happen. So I remember meeting with him, and, and he, he just starts laying in all these questions. And I won't go to all of them. He, he went from, you know, the Bible and, you know, what, you guys think it's this, and I don't think it's that. It's storybook fables, all this kind of stuff. You think it's parables and real stories and inerrant, infallible, and all this stuff. And, we, and I start going there for just a few minutes, and then he goes to evolution. Oh, so here we go. And, and, and dinosaurs and all this stuff. And I'm saying, listen, you, 
would anything, would any of my arguments, arguments and responses cause you to doubt your arguments and answers? And he said, no. No, they, honestly, they wouldn't. And I said, yet, you made an appointment with me, yet you told me that you were driving by this building week after week and month after month, and something told you that you need to go in there and you need to talk to some people in that church, and there's something different that's going on in there, and yet you came in to sit down with me. Why did you do that? And he just kind of paused, and he was just kind of quiet, and he, 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 didn't, he didn't have a quick reply, and he didn't have a, an honest you know, uh, response. And I said, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's because something in you wants the something that's in me. You're dying inside. There's something in you that, that wants, while you're trying to convince yourself there isn't a God, you want to believe so bad there is. But because of all the obstacles of your mind, because of all the excuses that you made in your pursuit of truth with your finite mind, trying to understand an infinite God, you're missing him altogether. And he said, you know what? You're right. You're right. There's, there's some truth to what you're saying. He said, I just don't know where to begin. I said, and we began to talk and dialogue about, man, you just got to get in this environment. You just need to kind of, you just need to kind of sneak in the back and just kind of get into the, the environment and, and, and begin to open up your heart and, me, and begin to maybe lay down some of your rocks and some of your arguments and some of your anger. And that's exactly what began to happen. You and I need an encounter with God more than we need an argument you know, people, people, you know, a person with an argument is at the mercy of a person with an experience, you know? And so the point is, to experience the God of the underdog, we have to invite him into our situation, and we have to come to a realization that I think leads us to a revelation that we need him, a person, more than we need him and his handouts, more than we need him and his answers, more than we need him and his knowledge, more than we need to learn about him. We need him Amen. like a living God. Help me. You know, I need, I need to see, I need to know you're there. It, you know, in your relationship, I think the family, the natural family is such a parallel to the relationship with God. But there's just times where you need your parents or you need a, a, a leader in your life to just help you through the situation. You don't care about the explanation because you know you, don't, you, you won't understand it all. You know you can't uh, responsibly handle it all. But because of trust in that person, you, you get the help that you need and eventually you get the answers you need as a result as well. And so I believe God is, this is in your notes, God is not a God so much to be understood. God is a God to be encountered. And I am not minimizing beliefs. Please do not misinterpret that. That is not the emphasis, you know, uh, 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 of what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that when you encounter God, when you experience God, it will change your life. You'll be a different person. And many don't, and many won't because of the things that I want to describe to you today uh, through our kind of underdog hero today. But until this happens, until you encounter him, you're just going to face, at some point, if you haven't already, giants in your life that you cannot defeat. It will happen. Amen. And we'll remain an underdog. But the good news is that God is the God of the underdogs, and he specializes in stuff like this. And he so, trust me, he so badly wants to reveal himself to you, but he might do it differently than the way you think or the way you want. And if you ask God to reveal himself to you, he will. He will. 
And so today we're going to look at a giant in the faith that was once an underdog himself. This guy is a giant in the faith. If I said to you, uh, look at the Old Testament and tell me who you think is kind of the top dog in the Old Testament in terms of power and the miraculous, you guys would all say, this guy, his name is Moses. Or as they said in the movie with Charlton Heston in it, Moses, Moses. You know, I don't know why God talked like that in the movie, but it's cool. Moses, Moses, Moses. Moses is the underdog of today. And here's the big idea if you want to fill in your notes. When you find God, you can face anything. When you find God, you can face anything. The truth is to get to a place where you can face anything, you at some point, to get to a place where you can face anything, at some point you need a face-to-face with God. There's a cool, we're going to look at Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah, Exodus chapter 3 in a second, but Exodus um, uh, chapter 33, between Exodus 3 and Exodus 33, there's a relationship that's established between Moses and God that is progressive. In Exodus 33, it talks, in verse 11, it says that God spoke to Moses, uh, and Moses talked with God, they were face to face, like friends. But in Exodus 3, God, uh, Moses hid his face from God. And that's, that's where some of us are at right now. We're, 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 we're far away from God. We're distant from God. We're hiding our face from God. God wants to get to a place where you're, you have that friendship. You're face to face with him. You're encountering him. There's an intimacy there. But there are excuses that get in their way. There are obstacles. There are, there are there's these resistors that get in the way from us encountering God because we all can say intellectually, and we can all agree in this room that we, there's going to come a day we need God. There's a day where we maybe touched God or God has touched us in a, in a way, but, but, then it, but then it lifted or then it was over or it's been a long time. And, and I'm just telling you, these things are the things that get in the way. And so I want to give you four excuses that Moses faced in finding God. And it's taken from Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to read this to you from verses 1 through 6. Are you guys getting something out of this? Yeah. So it says, Now Moses was tending the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert. Everybody say the far side of the desert. All right. You know, most, most, uh, you know, people feel like this. They feel like they're in the far side of the desert, spiritually. A lot of people. Maybe maybe you're doing your one-year Bible on you version. I just completed my one-year Bible just a couple of days ago, and I wanted to do a cartwheel. It was awesome. I didn't. I didn't. I was in a public place. Uh, (laughs) But it was a good feeling. But some of us, you know, it's, it, we're comfortable with just the religious side of things. But the truth is we feel like we're on the far side of the desert. We're, our relationship with God is distant and dry, you know. And, and, you know, most here believe that God exists, again, but, but we don't sometimes feel close to God. So this is really relevant to us. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to, to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw through the bush and that it was on, fi- that, that it was on fire, and it did not burn up. Now, here's what I want to highlight real quick here. God is notorious for uh, revealing himself in strange ways. He's notorious for this. This is weird then, and it would be weird now. It would be odd, different. Uh, the, other, the other thing is that when he, this is what happens to people. Religion does this. I hate this about religion. We're all susceptible to it. But when God does do something 
unique or creative to reveal himself to us, and we respond to that one time. So there's two things that can happen. One, we don't respond because it's too weird, and, and we just, no, it doesn't fit into my box. Or we do respond, and then we make a monument out of it. Oh, we're going to now not be Connect Community Church. We're going to be Connect Burning Bush Church. And you cannot know God unless you experience a burning bush like Moses did. That's what happens. And we make it religious. Are you guys tracking with me out there? And so there's just, it's crazy how the enemy tries to get in. All right, so then it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, this is so important. When the Lord saw that God, that, that Moses went over to look, you and I all have a choice. When something kind of different happens, when something kind of creative from God to get your attention happens, God is, you have a choice. No, that's not God. No, no, that, that doesn't fit into you know, my little uh, uh, outline of how God should work. That's not the clean and tidy, all-in-a-box God that, that I want to serve up there on my shelf. Nope. But, but other people that will respond to how God reveals himself, and when they do that, God likes that. God, God responds to that. And look what happens. It says, uh, Moses thought, huh, this is a little crazy. A little cray-cray, God, but I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that, uh, that he had gone over to look, what did God do? He called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. So when you respond to God, even though it may be a little different for you, he likes that. He appreciates that. And we have a choice, and many walk away. But when you draw near to God, the fact of the matter is he will draw near to you. And he likes it when you do that. Verse 5, it says, do not come any closer, God said. I think what God is teaching him in this is there are these moments in God. And we have to learn this as his people. Listen to me. I don't know if I can do this right, but there's, there, we, uh, we talk about this sometimes in leadership, the, 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 the contrast between the relational and the reverential. There are moments in this service that are just fun and, and life-giving, and there's coffee right next to you in church, and the pastor's wearing jeans, and he just sang a song from the radio, and, and there's things about that that are cool and relevant and authentic, and it's awesome, but there are other moments where God is here, and we need to be, like, responsive to that in reverence. And like, this is a holy moment right now. And we need to know and be able to differentiate between those two things in order to be able to encounter him fully. Is anybody out there tracking with what I'm saying? And so he's saying, this was that moment. He says to Moses, don't come any closer. Hold on right there. Take off your sandals. Now, don't anybody take off their sandals in this room right now because I don't know what your feet feet are like right now. But he says, take off your sandals. Sandals just kind of represents, for, for all intents and purposes, our comforts, the way we want it. All right? He says, Don't, you, I want you to take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And, and at this, Moses, what did he do? It says he hid his face. He hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, initially, that's where our relationship might be. It might be a, there might be a little bit of fear, a little bit of trepidation. But, but, but this relationship progressed, and, and Moses went from 
the guy who was exiled from Egypt because he killed an Egyptian. You know, you know the whole story. He was born really a Hebrew slave, and he was taken into Pharaoh's family, and then he rose as a prince, and later on he figured out who he was, and, and then he killed uh, an Egyptian who was you know, uh, punishing one of his own, and, and then he was exiled from Egypt. And, and, he, and now, in this particular chapter, he's somewhere between 40 and 80 years old, probably tipping towards 80 years old, and he's on the backside of the desert, and he has this encounter with God. Before he was used by God, he had an encounter with God. Before you can be used by God, you need an encounter with God. And so God was trying to get Moses' attention, and he was doing something in such a way that was, frankly, uncomfortable. And we're like that. We want it all predictable. We want it all, you know, processed. We want it all hymns and homilies and stained glass and such. But sometimes God will use a different means to get our attention. He might use a bush. Can you imagine trying to explain to your friends that you had a talking, burning bush, you know, speak to you or whatever, and you got to go and explain that to somebody else? Yeah, God spoke to me through this bush, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, I got to talk to you. Okay, buddy. Sure. All right. Then after this, in verse 6, you know, uh, God is trying to give Moses his purpose. But in the process, Moses comes back, and you're going to see this, with four reasons why he's not the one. Four reasons why it couldn't be him. Three questions in one statement, but they're all excuses. And I want to give you those. And in order to come close, we've got to, we've got to eliminate these excuses. We've got to get our sandals off and, and realize that to have a holy moment, We've got, to, we've got to cross a line, a comfort line. And this is so important for so many reasons. And, and, and you, know, you know what's important? This is one thing I was thinking about this morning. I don't, it's so important to have encounters with God as a church and as a people because I don't want the pressure of uh, having to come up with something every week that will just fancy your brain every single week. It's not, that's, that's, a, that's, not, that's not healthy. Churches, pastors, leaders, whatever, that's not healthy not to encounter God. Because one moment in the presence of God is way more beneficial, helpful, edifying than uh, an hour of somebody telling you a lot of cool stuff. Are you tracking with me out there? So as your pastor, I'm inviting you to get closer. And again, this is important for a bunch of different reasons. So here's the first thing that you can see. These literal words Moses says in verse 11, he says this. He says, who am I? But Moses said to God in verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? In other words, he's saying, do you know me? Do you know what I've done? Are you, hello, God, are you paying attention out there? Obviously, you haven't been watching my life very closely. You've been flipping through the channels too much, and, and I've messed up. I'm an exile. I've murdered somebody. I'm a slave. I got issues. God, did I mention I got issues? Do you know what I've done? That's what he's saying. Who am I? And notice that at the end of this verse, God replies. He says, I will be with you. Everybody say, I will be with you. He doesn't base the answer to Moses' question on Moses' character. He bases the answer to Moses' question on God's character. He says, we, so in other words, we think we can, this is the trap. We think we can get close to God or qualified to be used by God because of our worth. We're not qualified and, and going to be used to God based on our worth, but on his worth, on his merit, on his righteousness, on his imputed righteousness that we didn't deserve. He gave us precisely what we need, you know, didn't deserve exactly what we needed. And so you don't have, you're focusing, Moses, on the wrong thing, and you and I do the same thing. I was singing that song, Who am I that the Lord of all the earth 
Would care to know my name? I mean, how many know that song? You know, Casting Crowns. Come on, old school. All right. Anyway, I was just thinking about that. I mean, that's, that's this attitude. But, but God, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am. And then he goes on. It's just kind of, that song just permeates the theology that God was trying to teach Moses. And God redirects him. And this is how it plays out. Every single week here at Connect, we are invited to encounter God by, again, worship or a message or being with people. And, and, but your mind wants to rehearse all this stuff from your past and tell you it doesn't apply to me. And, 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 don't, and don't, don't you know God or don't you all know what I've done and where I've been and who I am? And God says, I don't care because it's not based on who you are and what you've done and who you are. So the second part of this first excuse, and this is not in your notes, this is bonus, that you have to overcome is, you can write this in, you have to overcome, under who I am, you have to overcome condemnation. 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 This is the enemy's, like, top tactic. This is his favorite approach, is to, to overcome us with condemnation. I talk to Christians all the time, Christians, Christ followers, made alive in Christ, and they're struggling with condemnation all the time. Condemnation will keep you from encountering God. Condemnation is very different from God's plan. John 3, 17, for God did not come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Conviction says, oh, you made a mistake? Oh, here's a way out. Condemnation says you made a mistake? Good luck. Good luck. It's not good for you, you know, to do that, conviction says, but but come follow me, I'll show you a different way. In the book of Titus, I wrote this in my notes, but it says this in verse Chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, it says, When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. He wanted to save you. So do you think God knows you? The answer absolutely is yes, He knows you. Absolutely He knows you. And many have grown up in the church with the belief uh, unconsciously that, yeah, God knows me, but in order to be used by me, he's got to clean, I've got to clean up my act, and he's got to clean me up you know, first to be used. He's cleaned you up as you are used, by the way. And so we, and, and remember that it's, it's not go get it all worked out and then we can approach God. No, we approach God not on our goodness, but on his goodness and his righteousness. And that's when we're being perfected. That's when we're being changed. Because he's never about measuring our righteousness. My, listen, my kids are far from perfect. Can I have an amen for my family? But I, I don't say to my kids, until you're correct, until you are perfect, you are no longer a fry. You know, you'll no, you're no longer a fry. No, instead, the, the opposite is the case. We can be disappointed or upset with our kids based on their behavior, but this is when you need us even more. Come closer so we can work this out. But our nature and the enemy always tries to get us to go away from family. Go away from the people that can help us the most when we do wrong. Run, flee, and all that kind of stuff. No, we need to come closer in those moments. Amen, Amen is right. Here's our next excuse. Who are you? This is what Moses says. Who are you? His second excuse or hurdle was a recognition, uh, you, know, of, you know, God, what's, what's so great about you? In other words, God's power, a lack of recognition of God's power. In verse 13, it says, Moses said to God, suppose... I go. In other words, if I do buy this whole thing, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? That uh, a burning bush talked to me? 
and called me by name and told me to take off my shoes and all that sort of thing. I actually believe that Moses, at this particular time, didn't believe much in the power of God. I actually believe at this particular time in God, in Moses' uh, journey spiritually, he looked at God and saw God as more or less uh, an, abandoning, an abandoning father. A guy who'd abdicated his responsibility and his role because at this particular time, the, the people of God were enslaved for hundreds of years, praying earnestly. The midwives praying earnestly. All the family heads, pray, priests praying earnestly. It seemed like it was, it was just silence. I think Moses was having a hard time believing in the power of God. And so I think it's kind of an honest question. He heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but that was a long time ago. And so God responds to him and says, I'll tell you what to say. Tell him I am who I am. You're saying, what kind of answer is that? Is that a, a non-answer? No, that was the real answer. The truth is what God is saying, you want to know how big I am? I am that big. I can't even give you the whole list. When they say, are you that? You, he, just say, I am. Say, you know, it, 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 or start, if they start asking, you just say, He's that. He's that too. Are you this? Am. Are you this? Am. This? Am. I am. That's, that was his answer. I'm all of that. I can't even put it in a word. There's nothing you can't come up with, Moses, or whatever they come up with that I am not. I am. I'm that. So our secondary barrier to encountering God is how big is your God? How big is your God? In fact, I know many people who grew up in church were taught, again, that those are the used to things. Those are the, those are the old days, the, the cessationists. You know, he doesn't do that stuff anymore. He doesn't heal. He doesn't set free. He doesn't deliver. He doesn't do miracles. He doesn't, he doesn't speak to us. And so Moses had to, and this is your, your, your bonus material, he had to overcome doubt. First thing is overcome condemnation. The next one is overcome doubt. So you have to overcome yourself, and then you have to overcome your, your belief issues. And I want you to know, I used to struggle with this a lot when I was growing up. Who is, you know, who is God to me? Who is God to you? And, you know, and, and some people struggle with this. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever, pray for the interpretation. Have you ever underestimated God? Anybody? <laughs> you got to practice your encountering right now. You gotta, I think sometimes we look at God as like our buddy, our homie, you know. I've seen online these, these little Jesuses, they have these homie Jesuses, you know what I mean? And, and, but instead, we need to look at him as our source, our king. Ooh, that's a different mindset. Our great I am. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 and through 6. It's not in your notes, but it says, I came to you, Paul speaking, after he had an encounter with God, in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Paul, formerly known as Saul, was a well-trained student of the law. In fact, he was, he was like a super Pharisee. So he, he, could, he could go there with people. But he says, I don't come to you with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith won't rest on men's wisdom but on God's power. People, I don't know where your faith is at. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you really think deep down. But we need the power of God in our lives. And we have something to do. We have to plug into that source. And we have to eliminate excuses. Who am I? Who are you? You're God. 
Who am I? Well, it's not based on who I am. It's based on who you are. We got to get over these obstacles in order to be able to encounter God. But you got to think to yourself, is, the, is, is, is your God the size of your wisdom or is your God the size of his power? We've got to lift the lid. We've got to stop making God small. We've got to make him big today, every day, not just Sundays, but every day. And we've got to believe the God, the God of the Bible is alive and well and still works today. You know, my wife was teaching um, a few weeks back about prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And the first one is, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The principle there that we taught was we need to, we need to acknowledge his greatness. If we start acknowledging the greatness of God, if we started our day in prayer telling God how big he is, instead of telling God how big our problems are, we might have less problems and we might have more power to overcome our problems. Can I have a better amen than that? I'm telling you what, we just got to introduce our problems to how big our God is. And we got to tell God how big he is. And what would happen if we did that? We sing songs, our God is greater, our God is higher. And then we go out there and just go, I don't think he can handle all of it. You know, we just kind of shrink back down. We, we need to tell our problems how big God is. We need to stand up to those giants in our life and introduce them to God. Jeremiah 32 says, Ah, Lord God, verse 17, it says, Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. We used to sing a song about that. We are a church that believes he can still move mountains, heal cancer, save marriages, help the downcast. I believe that. Number three, what if they? Here's this next question. What if they? Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? What if they don't believe me? What if they laugh? This is, the third blockade was my biggest one growing up in my life. It's the fear of man. It's the fear of man. I had this huge. I think this is a reasonable question when, you, you, when you've been spoken to from a burning bush. In John chapter 12, this is a problem they had in Jesus' day too. John 12, 42 in your notes, it says, at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. I believed in, they believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, the religious crowd that spent all its time judging everybody else, they would not confess their faith for fear. Everybody say, for fear. For fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Back then, believe it or not, that was kind of the place of popularity, the place of acceptance. That's where you could... Uh, ex receive acceptance or social rejection. And so people did never wanted to be put out of the synagogue. Now people can't wait to get out of the synagogue. You know what I mean? And so here's the obstacle. This is the bonus. Overcome fear. Overcome fear. You got to overcome fear. What if they? Well, you got to overcome that fear. Do you fear people more than God? That's kind of the, the obstacle to encountering God is our fear of people uh, needs to be less than our healthy fear of the Lord reverence and awe of who God is. I can remember as a young man in the eighth grade, I was a popular kid. And I don't say that braggadociously because I was actually a broken kid on the inside, extremely insecure, but I did anything for popularity, virtually anything. And I remember uh, it was a big deal back then. It wasn't so great maybe later on in high school, but I was voted the class president. And I just, I just did that because I wanted to be known as the most popular kid. So I just campaigned, did all this campaign, win, you know, get, give people bubble gum or something. Hey, just vote for me, you know what I'm saying? You know, passes in the hallways. I think I can write some of those now. And all that kind of stuff. And then I ended up winning. And then all of a sudden they said, um, we, we had a meeting. And they're like, you got to run this whole thing. You're in charge. You're responsible. Oh, and to kick this whole thing off, you got to bring a speech before the whole school. I'm like, what? Uh, I didn't sign up for this. And I can remember uh, the speech was supposed to be to all the uh, faculty and the students and parents. 
and, I, and this, is a, this is a sad reality, but my, my parents were, my, my father in particular, radical Christian, you know, and I was, I was, I was living in shame. I was afraid, you know, um, and, I, and I was living a double life. I was one thing here at school, and it was one thing at church. And so I didn't invite my parents to that because I was ashamed of them, because I was afraid that they would somehow disrupt you know, that my father might walk in with a big, big black Bible or something and put it out on the table. The truth is he might have done that. But uh, <laughs> he's in the second service, so I can say that. But uh, I was scared. I was scared. You know, he might pray or prophesy or something over me or something like that. You know, the Lord does say, you shall be great. And it's obvious, my son. Whatever. And <laughs> so I didn't invite him. So I bring in the speech, and then um, I remember, let's just say it was just like this room, and I remember bringing the speech to the, to, the, to the staff and the faculty and all that kind of stuff, and my parents walked through the door right in the middle of that. They found out from somebody else. Oh, I remember. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man proves to be a snare, a snare. But whoso puts his trust in the Lord will be kept safe. What does that play out for you? You know, when you're praying, when you're at, you go out to dinner and you're at a restaurant, do you pray like, oh, let's pray real quietly. Oh, Lord, thank you for this. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go eating. You know, is, is there a shame in your game? Or are you, are you, are you, are you, are you, you know, embarrassed of God? Romans 1 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So this stuff, that, that, that can keep you from encountering God. And, and again, I, if I'm if, if honest, I still struggle with this in a measure as a senior pastor. I'm not ashamed in any way, shape, or form of my Savior. But I, I, I think about this in worship. When people, we have a lot of first-time guests that come in. There may be many here today. You know, they're just kind of checking this all out, and they come to worship, and people are, like, raising their hands, and, you know, they're singing, you know, and just people crying. Some people are kind of loud, you know, whatever, and, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, there's times what's going through my brain. I, I don't want to scare them. I want to save them. I don't want to, you know, but, but, then, but then I can remember when I was in that place, in my journey where, where you know, I was drawn to that which was, like, there was life in, in it. I grew up, like, in a church like this, and there was life there. And even though it was, there was some extremism, I was drawn to the life. And, 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 and there were some things I didn't understand, and it was like a burning bush to me. It was like a little cray-cray, you know? And, and we have a choice in those situations. Are we going to go closer to it, or are we going to pull back? And I can remember when, you know, I just slowly started coming to worship, and, you know, as a teen, like, okay, I'm going to get over this, you know? And I was, I was really in prison, I'll be honest with you. And I, I just, they're all, everybody's worshiping, and I'm just standing there, and just, okay, today I'm going to tap my toe. And I just tap my toe a little bit, you know, give a little bit more. And, and the next Sunday, I decided I'm going to come back, and I'm just going to, this time I'm going to raise my hand. I made up my mind at a certain song, if they do that song, because we, we sang the same songs every single week for like six months, and, and over and over and over again, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling. And they, anyway, I knew that the song would be sang again, so... At a certain point in that song, when over and over and over again, I was just going to go, oh, yeah. Oh, I got to go back down. <laughs> I did it. I did it. In my head and all that's going on. Meantime, on the outside, I'm like, what's up? You know what I mean? But, but when I read the Psalms, I used to read the Psalms like they were just a book of poetic things. And, and I, I, you know, but really, I, they, were, they, were, they were worship. And when I read the Psalms, and then I looked at sometimes people's church experience, the Psalms looked more like Saturday night at a football game than it did on Sunday morning. 
The Psalms are supposed to, which we're talking to people about clapping and shouting and, and, and making a joyful noise and the, 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 the timbrel and the drum and all that kind of stuff. That was happening, you know, in church. And I thought, you know what? Maybe, maybe I need to get over myself. Maybe I need to move in his direction. Maybe it's an excuse. My fourth one, as I conclude on this message, is Moses said, I have never. I have never. Verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Let me just say it this way. In order to have an encounter with God, you're going to have to do something you've never done before. Let me say it again. In order to have an encounter with God, how many want an encounter with God? Yes or no? Raise your hand. Whatever. Okay? If you're going to have an encounter with God, you're going to have to do something you've never done before. You might have to tap your toe today or next Sunday. Next Sunday, you might have to do a half mass. You know what I mean? You might have to go like to this, you know? I don't know what it is for you. It might, you might have to give something of yourself, your financial resource. You might have to serve to encounter God. You might have to get into a small group in relationships. You might have to invite somebody into your life. You might have to worship like, you know, you, like, you love God like you love football. I watch the Alabama game, you know, we yell. We yell a lot. Shout. Yeah. Moses says, I've never been good at speaking, not eloquent. Don't you know, you know, in other words, that I'm a stutterer and I can't speak? You picked the wrong guy. It's his fourth excuse. Isn't it interesting that God picked a stutterer to, to be on the biggest platform, the biggest church in the world? Millions of people are going to his church. And he says, I'm going to pick a stutterer. I'm going to pick somebody who is extremely, doesn't want to be in front of people. I'm going to put him in front of people, and I'm going to put a guy who doesn't like to talk, and I'm, I'm going to use that guy. That, that, that's the kind of guy that he picks. You know why? It's because he rewards humility, and he rewards faith. Humility isn't um, um, not thinking. It's, humility is not, it's, it's not thinking about yourself, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's not self-denial. It's denial of self. You understand? It's different. So he was humble, but he, but he was also a man of faith. And he's basically saying, I'm uncertain, but I'm still going to go for it. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you must believe, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently or earnestly, my father likes that word, seek him. Faith is a leap. Faith is a jump. It says, I'm jumping anyway. And God likes it when you move towards the burning bush, towards the uncomfortable, when you take your sandals off and you are reverent in those moments and you cross the line. Until you get used to stepping out of faith, you won't get the best from God. And here's the obstacle. Write this down. Overcome reluctance. You have to overcome reluctance. Overcome reluctance. Listen, for some of you, God's been asking you to do something. I had a brother come up to me just a couple of weeks ago. He pulled me inside, right outside. There, he's in the service today. And so many words, I'll butcher kind of what he said, but he's basically like, okay, PD, it's time. I got I to gotta cross the line. Like, I've been in the back, in the shadows, way back here, and it's time for me to take a step. It's time for me to, thank you, take my sandals off now, and I need to get, I need to get in. Some of you, to encounter God, you got to take a step. you got to take a step. And if you draw near to God, again, he will draw near to you. And you're going to face a day when you need a very 
present God, an ever-present God in your time of need. But you, listen, I, I can speak about this all, I, all day long. I can get, you can take this outline and chew on it and stew on it. You can look up all the scriptures and all that kind of stuff. But until you experience what I'm talking about, you will not fully understand it. In fact, would you stand to your feet? I just want to pray for you as we conclude. <clears throat> you guys close your eyes just for me? I'm way over time again. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What? Just as still as you could possibly be. This is one of those reverent versus relational. When we're in worship and I'm moving to the back because I got to come out to speak, I actually walk on the balls of my feet as I'm going up the stairs into the back. I walk as quietly as I possibly can be. I close doors so nobody can even hear. It's my goal. Because I understand the difference between the reverent and the relational. This is one of those reverent moments where you just still before God. You let him speak to you. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you specifically? What excuse is getting in the way of you encountering God? Not tomorrow. Not next month. Right now. What thing can you turn over to God? Who am I? Who are you? What if they? God, I've never. What is your excuse? Are you ready to let that go and just say, God, I'm going to come closer to you today. I'm going to take a step in your direction. And in spite of what I see and what I don't understand and what I don't grasp, maybe. I'm going to move in your direction like Moses did because I want to encounter God and I want to experience God. And I know there's going to be a day when I, I need you in a personal way, in a profound way that goes beyond intellect, that goes beyond duty and responsibility and perfect attendance and works, all that stuff. I need you, God. I need you more than yesterday. If you're here today and you know the, the Lord is speaking to your heart, I'm not talking to the family of God necessarily, those who have been crossed that line of faith, but maybe you never crossed the line of faith yourself. You know, you never invited Christ into your heart. The thing that kind of ignites this whole process of encountering God is when you invite Jesus Christ into your life. Those of you who are listening, those of you who are, are, are just hearing this, what's 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 uh, common to you. Let the Holy Spirit continue to speak to you while I'm speaking to a different group of people. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life and you want, you want to know him personally, not the religious Jesus, the relational Jesus. If that's you and you know he's speaking to you right now, you want to encounter him, you need to take that step of faith and just say, I need God to experience that grace. I need to embrace the truth that I need God. I can't do it by myself and I want him. And I'm willing to give all of me to him right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand very high and just say, that's me. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, two of you right here. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Phenomenal. Awesome. God is pleased with your pursuit. Would you pray this with me? And, and then, church, I'm going to pray for the rest of you. But everybody pray together with me. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you personally. Not the religious thing. The relational thing.
Change me from the inside out. Make me a new person. I surrender my life to you, God. I put my faith, my hope, and my trust in you. I transfer all of that to your account. I'm, I'm made righteous because of your righteousness. I'm in right standing with God because of what you did, not because of what I did. And I thank you. Father, in Jesus' name, for everybody who prayed that prayer, seal their, seal their salvation, Lord. May they, may they know with assurance, with confidence, the, the blessed assurance that they can walk out here today knowing that they are rescued. May they tell somebody. May they give it away. May they talk about it with others uh, that their life's been changed. And it may sound a little crazy. It may sound a little nuts, but they're not ashamed anymore because they're a different person from the inside out, God. And for those of us who do know and have known and known for a long time, Father, I pray, God, that we, we boldly proclaim that we not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we realize that it's all about him and it's not all about me. And, Lord, I pray that we, we, we invite you into our situation and we move the excuses from our life and we take off our sandals and all the comforts that keep us from the presence of God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that be willing to do that and take action on that and be all outs, not dropouts or cop-outs. Or, Lord, we're just completely all out for you in Jesus' name. Help us to give away what we've received today so that it doesn't go away tomorrow in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. I'm going to close this up. Let me just say this, guys. If you made that commitment to Christ today, just put that on a connection card on your way out, and you can just put that inside the connection box. We want to help you. We've got something for you. We want to send to you on your journey of faith. Small group signups today at the rear of the sanctuary in the cafe. This is our second week. Last week was a huge week. Let's continue that, Lord, and, and just see what God wants to do through our community groups. Love you guys. We'll see you on the Lord's Day. God bless. C301 tonight, by the way, also. 301 tonight at 530 as well. 301 tonight at 530. God bless you. Thanks, Vanessa.